0: Today's show is brought to you by Airtable, the all in one collaboration platform. Being a modern media business is complicated. Maintaining a functional editorial calendar is hard. Wrangling writers and editors, copy edits, and social, all on deadline, can get messy fast. Believe me, it's hard. Most collaboration tools aren't made for creatives and creative projects, but Airtable is. Airtable makes it easy to organize stuff, people, ideas, anything you can imagine. That's why leading creative teams at places like BuzzFeed Studios, Group 9 Media, and Time all use Airtable. It's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everything on schedule and let creative people be creative. Visit Airtable.com slash Digiday today to get $50 in free credits. Thank you, Airtable. Hello and welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. This week, I'm joined by the co-founders of The Skim, Carly Zakin and Danielle Weisberg. Their story is unique in that they've built a media brand out of what started as an email newsletter. Today, The Skim boasts over 6.5 million subscribers. It's got an app and it's got an intensely loyal audience. We talk about all these things and the criticism The Skim faces for dumbing down serious news and much more in this episode. Listen in. Carly and Danielle, welcome. Hi. Hi. So I was saying this is the first time we've done a joint podcast with two guests.
1: Thank you for breaking your rules for us. We're very excited. Thank you for
2: having us both. We're really excited to be here.
0: So my one request, so everyone knows who is speaking, is if one of you adopts a British accent. (laughs) You decide amongst yourselves.
2: Uh, Danielle, okay. you've always had an acting bug. I know. I did want to be in the parent trap, but uh, no, this is Danielle. But we'll 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 make it clear.
0: Okay, no, yeah. I think people will know. For those that do not know the skim, give me just the very quick story about how it came to be. Um, you were both at NBC yes. News we'll so, skip the college part we'll, we'll go right skip, to the yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go, go right to the NBC news part
2: okay great so we grew up news geeks we went to work graduated went to work at NBC news uh between the two of us we've kind of worked everywhere between cnbc msnbc new york dc secaucus uh and just loved news like really loved the industry uh we would have done anything to be in it and stay in it and felt like we had the best opportunity and learning from some of the best journalists. Um, we were 25 years old living in a small apartment, roommates in New York City, and uh, basically would come home uh, and have the same experience, which was we were working and big media that was doing a lot of things. But one thing that they weren't doing was reaching our friends authentically. And we knew that because we could not get our friends to watch what we produced. And we would ask them. And it was, you know, a a variety of answers. Um, I don't want to remember when it's on. I don't like the anchor. I don't really trust the brand for whatever reason. Um, And we just took a step back and we started to think about our friends as indicative of the female millennial generation leading in so many different ways. And it made no sense to us that there wasn't a new source that fit into their routines Uh, and so that's what we set out to create and we launched the skim which is a company that makes it easier to live smarter five and a half years ago from our couch and today it's really grown into an audience company that revolves around uh, the routines and interests of the female millennial and how we can make it easier for her to make the best decisions possible with the limited amount of
1: time that everyone has.
0: Okay, so it started with email. Yes. Yes why email
1: uh you know i think people when we first started um there was so much confusion like why email and you know venture um you know venture capitalists would tell us email is dead we all are on our email like i will tell you like you know all of our friends our audience I young
0: would, people still use email
1: yes i would say like first thing that we all do is like alarm is on our phone you turn off your alarm you grab your phone you immediately check email like scan it anything important so we knew we had to be a part of what we call like the one eye open routine and we thought you know early on it was funny when we would try to go raise money very early on and we've been very public how difficult it was for us in the very beginning venture capitalists would email email us to say email is dead. And we were like, <laughs> do you not see the irony in this? Right. And so for us, you know, it's something that we are a company about, you know, as Danielle said, making it easier to be smarter but through routines. And the first routine we wanted to tackle was that first moment in the morning when you check your email.
0: Right. So now you have what, six and a half million?
1: Well over, yes.
0: Okay, well over. Well (laughs) over. Six and a half million email subscribers. And you're building off that base.
2: Yeah, so we have built off the base. And the idea was that when we started, the ultimate commodity that we could ever hope to create was trust with our audience. So when we started the company, we really had two guiding principles. The first was build a brand. Make the skim stand for something. Uh, We did that in a lot of different ways. One way that you know we definitely... um, continue to think through is who is the skim girl? It was the character that we created, that we personified, that we spent a lot of time building. What is the brand around her? And then from a product perspective, we had a guiding light of thinking how technology can be used to fit information into the routines of our audience. So the way that we think about what we've created from a product perspective is that the newsletter was always the entry point into someone's day. It was the way to wake up. And when we were, you know, 25 on our couch, what we really wanted to do in a very simple way was recreate the idea of morning television that seemed to be for this audience, but we didn't know anyone that was watching it or had four hours to stay at home uh, and turn on their TV and be there. But the information was still really applicable. It was just the distribution distribution method was broken. So we think the vision of, of where we want to take the company is really how can we use that information and day part our audience's lives uh, and use technology to fit into it. So you wake up, you read mm-hmm. the email, you walk out your door, you check your calendar, uh, our app integrates with your calendar, then you commute. We have um, audi- audio guides that really are, are baked around our audience's routine. Of commuting 10 to 15 minutes, uh, they tend to go along with what else is going on in the world. So you know, talking about North Korea right now, talking about Olympics, things like that. Uh, then when you're bored at work, you're scrolling through your social feeds. That's where our video content really is. Then when you're thinking about it's the weekend, it's a holiday weekend. Where am I going? What books am I buying? What hostess gift should I bring someone? All of these things that you spend time on that you don't really need to spend time on. That's where we really take our our curatorial lens.
0: Okay. I mean, I think what's interesting is that it's all based on habits, yeah. right? I mean, and we're we're in this era, I think we're coming out of this era of a lot of like flyby media, mm-hmm. you know, flies by in the feed. Um, and I think a lot of media got away from the idea of being
1: a habit. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And it, um, it, we were definitely preaching to the choir with that statement. I think, you know, when we go, when we think about at our core, like what inspired us, what was our training, we when you know danielle talked we grew up wanting to be news like being news geeks yeah. wanting to work in news we wanted to work specifically in morning television that is the very most like traditional media that have had a format that really worked like there was and a
0: definite habit just gets turned it was on
1: personality on a couch with a sponsor that you recognized every day that told you how to be a person i
2: think actually one of our backgrounds and one of the reasons why we became such good friends in the beginning was our families were really similar in Sunday routines like you Mm -hmm. have dinner together and then you watch 60 minutes or we had this routine of watching our parents read the paper and participate in those conversations and those were growing up just part of our normal routines that was something that was so baked into us and then you know we were kind of old school in that sense that that was still part of our behavior while it really wasn't for our friends.
0: Okay, so developing that habit. I mean, you're you're focused on on younger women, twenties, early thirties. Yeah, not going to use millennia. the M word. I've
1: yeah. oh, sorry. sorry. I've
0: decided. I, I actually. I I'm post. millennial. Yes. You're post millennial. Um, in many different ways, uh, but you're you're focused on younger people, and so you were going to build that habit, and and so you were going to package it in, yeah. a, in a in a particular way. So, explain because you talked about the skim girl. Explain the packaging because I, I, I wouldn't get into the lightning rod aspect of it from yeah. from people so, my age and stuff like that. But <laughs> I- explain it.
1: So, the skim girl, like to so take a step back, skim girl is a character that we created, and it is very much um, someone who represents someone on the go with a sense of humor who is busy and needs to know a bunch of stuff. And when we thought about how to build that how to scale that what we what our company stood for lots of things have expanded what what hasn't changed what we're very proud has stayed consistent is what our vision is it's gotten bigger but what the core of it is what are who our audience is and what our value promises as a brand and when we you know thought and you know it, it's funny to think you know now as we we have a product team and we we really spend so much time thinking through the habits and routines of this audience we it was so instinctual to us in the very beginning, like of course it had to be email. And then when we thought through, okay, how do you how do you iterate onto this? And then we started pivoting towards subscription and a premium subscription model. We again were like, okay, well I check my email. And then I look at my phone again, and my calendar tells me, what do I do next? So we're like, we gotta be in the calendar. And we really created a utility experience in your calendar where we show up, and again, it's it's not for everybody. It is for a very specific type of user where we're actually telling you this is the stuff you need to know that's important enough to be in your calendar. Now we're doing audio, and we're thinking not, okay, here's just some stuff on your phone. We're thinking, after you look at your calendar, you're commuting, Mm -hmm. and wherever you're gonna go, you're going to need to listen to something and how long is your commute and how long does it actually take to understand something when you listen to it? Um, and to retain that information. So we've been very, very deliberate about how we've started to build out our product roadmap and, um, that's at the forefront of everything we're doing. But
0: but tie that back to the voice because every brand is, is media brand. It's, It's built on point of view up until now. Um, and you, you developed a distinctive voice. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's not for everyone, yeah. right? So talk to me about how. what is that voice?
2: So the voice is something that we created together. It's not me, it's not Carly, it's not anyone on our editorial team. It was a character. And we really spent a lot of time personifying her and thinking through, you know, what does Skim Girl drink on Friday afternoon after work versus what would she drink at Sunday brunch? Does she does she actively think about gifting does she like soul circle soul cycle versus flywheel like we do this quarterly as a team and it's a living breathing deck to the skim girl so it's Um, not your voice
0: not our individuals no
1: it's something we created it's actually very funny when we started the skim my family and friends would say wow like danielle is so funny like so so glad you guys are working together and then danielle's family and friends would say Carly's really funny. I'm so glad, like her voice is really like you know touching the skin, and we would laugh because it's it's very much a character that we've created. And neither one of us is that funny. No, so it, it really said great. a lot <laughs> about us. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So you created th- this voice, we did. and it's distinctive. It yeah. is. And it's approachable.
1: It's approachable. It's Conversational. Conversational. It's relatable. It has a sense of humor. It also
2: tells it like it is, and I think that has been you know the uh, the thing that I think. Some people love that; other people don't get it. Uh, but it's a very no BS tone. Uh, I think that above all, Carly said it well, which is conversational. We write as a team, as a company. The Skim Girl is how people. Her tone is how people actually speak. It's colloquial. It's uh. It's it's very much supposed to be, if you were to take a snippet of a conversation with a friend, this is what it would mm-hmm. sound like.
0: Okay. And it's not meant to be the comprehensive news source because I think a lot of times there is there is criticism. Yeah, I think you know that there's criticism of it that it's dumbing down um, serious topics um, and that it's it's making them perhaps too relatable by um, trivializing so, them.
1: You know, I think um, there's a few thing, few responses to that. One, from day one, we never sought to be um, something for everyone. We had a very specific customer right. in mind. I think. Our dream, our background was we were literally paid to read The Wires all day, like we loved it. And our dream was that our friends loved it as much as we did to talk about everything we read in The Wires. The reality is whether people enjoy it or not, no one has the time and no one else is really paid unless they work in news to do that. And so we very much saw a problem that we knew how to solve. And in doing that, we had to save people time. And we also had to create an avenue where if you wanted to engage more, which we hope everyone does, We could do that and that's by linking out very uh, you know in a curatorial way that comes alive Mm -hmm. in our civic engagement work that we're really proud of and i think what we found is that there's not a one-size-fits-all approach to news and we will never ever apologize that we are getting people more confident more comfortable and more proud to talk about the world around them and they show that you know in the election 95,000 women registered to vote because the skim helped them do that mm-hmm. 110,000 people as an audience as a whole and we'll never apologize for something like that and i think when we've heard you know criticisms you know from f- about the scam like again we know it's not for everyone but a lot of the majority of it has come from the media and i mm-hmm. think that's very telling because the reality is the, the the current state of media is not for everyone. Not right. everyone has context around the stories that are every day in the news. Not everyone has the time to be on Twitter all day or, or to be searching yeah. through their feed. No, and it's so, funny,
0: I was just joking with yeah. someone here about how Maggie Haberman is writing um, stories for mi- millions of people yes. are consuming them but she's most exercised on Twitter about basically 13 to 15 people and their opinions of them. I
2: I think it's it's kind of... And I love her Twitter feed. Yeah, Yeah, no, 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 no. but it's, it's to that point, people you know, are always like, oh, did you see this person criticize you on Twitter? And right. I was like, I don't spend time looking through <laughs> like, Twitter. And none of
1: our friends are using it that's because fair. their habits are not that. Yeah,
0: that's fair. So tell me a, a little bit about the use of these skimbassadors. I've said the word.
1: You said you it. You got it. You might as well have just said millennial. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> skimbassadors are. Well, do you um, want to be one?
0: <laughs> I, I'll i apply. I don't know. Is yeah, there... we'll get
1: you. So you have is... to have a British accent. Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Skim ambassadors are our super users. They are the Skim's one percent ultimate force, um, and it happened really organically. So, when we started the company. We had no money. We didn't even know about you know paid acquisition. It was all organic mm-hmm. marketing because there was no other alternative. Um, and what that actually meant is to get the company off the ground. Carly and I would walk around in skim shirts. We would leave skim flyers at Starbucks. We did, you know, neither one of us is great at driving. Somehow we managed to go to twelve different colleges, and we would literally like run in and leave flyers under dorms until we got kicked out and it was a real grassroots growth effort and part of that was that we would send out you know the daily newsletter and anytime someone wrote in good or bad they would get a response and what happened over time is that we had um, pen pal relationships with these women who were discovering the product and loved it and had feedback and wanted to help us grow the company and for a long time we didn't know what to do with it And, and so we asked an advisor she said, you know, it's kind of amazing. Like every day we're getting multiple emails from people saying, uh, I love the skim. How can I help? And she was like, well, did you ever think about asking them to share it? And we're like, no, we probably should. <laughs> so we would write back and say, five friends. Can you share it with five friends? And they would say, oh, I did that. And so 10 over time became the magic number. Uh, it felt like enough of a ask that people had to do it. Um, so. The ambassador program started with grassroots referral, get 10 friends to sign up, and then people would coin, they coin the term themselves, like my friends are making fun of me, I love the company so much, they call me a skin ambassador.
0: Okay.
2: Uh And now today, that group is 30,000 people. Is it as
0: important today, now that you're- Absolutely. So the
2: user acquisition has consistently delivered about 20% of our user acquisition each year. Uh, so they are a very, very important part of the company. And their importance is only growing because they are now our biggest supporters and our biggest critics. They are our focus group. They We talk to them all day long in a Ambassador only Facebook group. We've now had to create uh, incentive uh, referrals from you know 10 is a tote bag. There's now Prizes up to 1200 referrals it's taken people four years to get that um but they get a trip to new york and they come to skim hq and these are people that we all know a lot of them like they come by we've had dinner parties with them
1: yeah i mean in answer to your question um they are if not more important today because of what our strategy as a company is which is intimacy at scale and like that buzzword phrase like for Mm -hmm. us what that really means is we have a, a large audience, and we—I'd rather never grow another user if I couldn't engage another user. So what that means for us is like, how do we take that, you know, well over six and size audience and continue to engage them in different ways and to continue to activate them? So as Danielle said, we joke the ambassadors are like our one percent because they're the most engaged, they're like the most active, and so um, that's hugely important to us as a part of the strategy.
0: Right now, a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Airtable, the all in one collaboration platform. The content industry is constantly evolving, and to keep up, you need a tool that's flexible enough to adapt to your process, but powerful enough to keep everybody on the same page. Airtable is modern software. Airtable fields can handle any content you throw at them, add attachments, long text notes, checkboxes, links to records in other tables, even barcodes. I promise you even barcodes, whatever you need to stay organized. That's why when the team at Time Inc. needed a tool to manage their entire creative process from ideation to content creation, they turned to Airtable. Airtable empowers you to do your work your way. Try it today. Just head to Airtable.com Digiday to receive $50 in free credits. There are helpful video tutorials to show Airtable in action. Visit the site. So obviously a, a successful targeted media brand, but you've also taken a lot of money. I mean, not a lot, but well, it's a lot for a media company, 16 I, and a half million. So talk to six. me about that. One the, six. What's that? One six. Yes. Yeah. 16. What's the opportunity here? I mean, you talk about intimacy, intimacy at scale. Yeah. I well, like that.
1: Very fancy term. <laughs> like, so, like, uh,
0: it could be like intimacy <laughs> as a service. Yeah. yeah,
1: We're also, we're starting a lingerie business on the okay. side. <laughs> <laughs> intimacy. Um, so I think,
2: you know, it's interesting that you said that's a lot of money because to us, it's a lot of money. We started this with no money. We didn't really understand the dynamics of um, venture until we started the company and we've done our homework. And, you know, that's been a big part of our, our founding mission and our learning curve and something that the Ambassador Program has really responded to. Um, but when you look at w- what we have raised as a company and benchmark that against a lot of other. Uh, People, young people focused, I won't use the M word, uh, right. media companies, uh, it's much smaller.
0: That is true. I, I think I meant in its original incarnation as basically an email. And oh, yeah. so the 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 vision obviously is to grow it far beyond being a, a daily email, more than daily candy for news.
2: So I think that, you know, yes, if you are totally right, if we thought At any point that we were just creating an email that was going to have a sponsorship revenue stream that was going to hit a ceiling uh, or we would have to sell out so much that we hated our own product, we never would have taken venture funding. I think the idea was always um, in a lot of ways to get to where we are today, which is we have email we have video we have audio we have a brand rep program we sell a lot of product uh we are thinking about events mm-hmm. uh we have four different lines of revenue uh so we so have So let's go through. Yes, yeah, so we have lines. sponsorship. We do native sponsorship. Uh we have direct subscription. So we pivoted pretty early uh to being able to directly monetize our audience and this I think the
0: calendar app.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh so it's 2.99 a month. Uh, And we also have affiliate revenue um, and then we have distribution. So selling shows to third parties or working with other companies and licensing the skim.
0: Okay. So how do those break down?
2: So I will say about 40% of our revenue does not come from sponsorship.
0: Okay. And you want to... Increase that. I think
2: anyone should be thinking. Everyone's down on
0: advertising these days.
2: I don't think. So what's actually really interesting about where we are is that we're not down on advertising because we've always had a different model. So from the very beginning.
0: A non-scalable model.
2: No. I think the point is that, I mean, the brand has scaled. Right. But from... Uh, you're not doing like programmatic stuff right exactly yeah we don't do display we don't do programmatic we do native Uh, and that has stayed consistent over time and the idea behind that was always you know I think people have become down on advertising in the past you know six months to a year but even before that we were like if we're never going to reach Facebook or Google scale then The way to win is by storytelling, is by telling a brand story if we think it's a good partner and if we think we can do it in a way that resonates with our audience. And so I think even today that's become more important. We're not chained to an algorithm. When Facebook changes its algorithm, it doesn't affect our email. We still have that direct connection. Um, So our advertisers who have bought that spot with us doesn't have to worry about it. Also, and I think this has become more and more true, Recently, they don't have to worry about brand safety. We're never going to take an ad from a terrorist organization and place them next to it. We would never, you know, that it's, we don't do programmatic. We don't do display. You don't have Mm -hmm. to worry about those things. We want people to think of this skim in a trusted way. So it's also in our, uh, to our advantage to make sure that the sponsors and the ads are placed in a way that makes sense.
0: Okay. But I mean, you're doing more video. Yeah, and doing brand and content and video. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for that, Facebook does matter quite a bit.
1: So yes and no we're not a video first company we have no desire to do that and we say that as former video producers we you've
0: resisted the urge to pivot
1: we've we've never (laughs) yeah I mean I think you know early on everyone was like "Why?" you know you're coming from a place where this is literally the only thing that we have in our vocational training is creating video so the fact that we have never said that we're a video first company I think says a lot about how um, we feel about scaling a business for this audience Um, I think we both believe that putting video and any multi, and I say video or audio into routines of an audience is paramount. And so don't believe in, you know, creating a destination where you've got to have someone, you know, only look at video on your site or your app. Um, we also believe that like, yes, you do need the, the Facebooks of the world or the Instagrams of the world to help be part of that strategy of getting into people's routines, but it's not the only thing. And if that's your only source of revenue or your primary source of revenue, Mm -hmm. that is really scary. So we've been really careful about how, um, how much of an onus we place on that.
0: Okay. How about TV? Interesting. Like linear
1: TV? Yeah. Um, yes and no. I think there's always the part of us that's like we come from that. So there's there's a little bit of like, oh, like that could be cool. But I also think like if you asked us what our own personal routines are. I mean, you are, have backers
0: who are involved. I I'd, Well, I think
1: we didn't. Maybe we,
0: it's putting one and one together. No, I mean,
1: I think we, when we, so the, the backers that you're, you're referencing is 21st Century Fox and maybe not Disney, but, uh, you know, when why we wanted to work with Fox was actually for the same reason that they wanted to work with us, which is whether or not you agree with their different politics or their programming and their different, um, in, in, in their different brand extensions, they are a made up of audience companies hmm. and lots of different types of audiences what they have told us and why they wanted to work with us is that they would love to understand more about how we're building a modern day audience company. So, we didn't say this is the right partner for us because wow, we can figure out how to get the skim to linear TV. Um I think, you know, what I was going to say is I never even turned my TV on. Like I, I honestly, like I don't even know why I still pay for cable. And I, I think pay we, for cable. I do. Wow. Uh, and I sports sports. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't expense it. We, you know, I think for us, it's about how do you partner with the places that our audience is tuning into? And that's the Hulu's. That's the Netflix. That's the Amazon's. Um, right. We, I use TV
0: we, loosely. I mean, we're uh, doing a future of TV event right well, now think, when we're talking and, and it's all about OTT. I,
1: I think Hulu and Netflix are really
2: interesting to us. You know, we were part of Facebook watch. Um, So we definitely are trying to figure out what is going to work from a video perspective. Um,
0: But it's not a bet the company. No. No.
2: And it's not a pivot because we always felt that way. Like, I, I think actually, if you look back, some of our criticism has been that we didn't do video big enough. When we took the Series B funding, it yeah. was like, well, where's Skim's pivot to video? Where's more? And video? now we're
1: going to conferences and people are like, that was a really good call not to, to, yeah. <laughs> to pivot too much. So I think, you know, our, for better or worse, our philosophy has remained consistent.
0: Right. So talk to me about what scale looks like for the Skim. Um, there's, there's a lot of young women out there.
2: There are. Uh I think for us scale is measured in a few ways. I think one is, you know, intimacy at scale means intimacy and scale and the scale part is we want to keep growing, but we don't want to grow without engagement. For us, um, you know when we talk about newsletter we're already the biggest in the game so if we get to 10 million or 12 million or 15 million those metrics don't matter because you got to really keep about, those
0: high open rates i mean you have pretty well that's high the open point rates,
2: right yeah so. exactly so if you get to 15 million but you have people that don't pay attention to you yeah, then exactly. it doesn't it doesn't mean anything so for us it's really a focus in um how can we measure engagement open rate yes is one way to measure it another way is can we um get people to activate from us and continuing to refer people building out this ambassador program um we launched a podcast last week mm-hmm. it went to number one with no paid acquisition behind it uh, so just ways that we're learning to move our audience in different directions i think the ultimate way is registering people to vote is really hard uh, and it's not something that is easy. And I think being a leader there really showed us that we have a trust with our audience that we can lend in a lot of different directions. Um, and so I think scale for us is thinking through very intentionally. what does a modern day audience brand look like? Um, I think in a lot of ways, the, the model that we've studied the most is Oprah. If Oprah had had a digital program, if she had started her company and her brand when it was digital first, um, I think that you know that that's in our head all the time is how do you create that same effect? Mm-hmm. How do you create a community of women who are looking at opportunities to take the next step in their lives? And I think we've done that with news. We're doing it with recommendation. We're doing it uh, in a lot of different ways. And for us, scaling is what are other ways that the brand can extend to make it easier to be smarter as you go through life. Yeah.
0: How do you think of your, both of your like sort of personification of the brand? I mean, because a lot I and think, and maybe it's not with your audience, but I think of both of you like Carly and Danielle as part of like the skim, um, you know, you're hosting the podcast, uh, you're yeah, in a lot no, of videos. How do you think about that? And whether you, I, I don't know, you think about developing, different personalities not yourselves (laughs) I mean other people (laughs) Uh,
1: um so I think you know it's a great question because we were actually reminiscing the other day I don't think most people realize this until literally two hours before we sent our very first email we were gonna launch anonymously we were not going to put ourselves out there. We were going to let people guess, like, who's behind the skim. And I think part of that was um, trying to be strategic about it. Part of that was, like, we were producers for a reason. Like, we we loved being behind the camera. Like, we, um, we had no interest in, like, the Carly Danielle show. Um, and when you go on our website even to this day, like our names are nowhere on the site. Our names have never appeared in any of our own products until this Mm -hmm. podcast and um, our own podcast. not Right. (laughs) Uh, And so, um, For us i think what we've seen is that you know we we are obviously the spokespeople for this brand we are so proud and happy to do that and i think we there's a fine line of how we go in front of the brand and how we've also developed a character that is as we said not one of us it is a character that we have created and that is the central central part of this brand that being said there are other parts of the brand that do you reflect our strategy. And one of them is the entrepreneurial angle and the civic engagement angle. And that our audience has shown a tremendous amount of interest in our story and lack of formal business training and to where we've gotten today. And so those are areas of the business that um, I think we have definitely leaned into. And I think not to be overlooked, and I think it says a lot that it actually had to be pointed out to us in recent months, we are the one of the only female-founded businesses in the information space going after female millennials. We didn't Mm -hmm. hire a female editor in chief or a female chief brand officer, um, a creative and said like, we'll, we'll back it. Um, we, there's an, uh, there's an underlying authenticity to our story and that we are a part of the word that we will not say, but I'm going to say it. We're millennials. Uh, (laughs) and we, um, we don't take that for granted. We definitely don't take it for granted in this environment. And I think, you know, but I guess
0: the danger is at some point, you know, if it, is this focused on millennials or is this young people? Well, I think because eventually say, at some point we we're gonna get older, right? Our fate, so, it's all of our faith. So, so
1: it's a that great was, point.
2: That was actually something that we thought of from Brilliant. the very first, maybe like morbidly so, but yeah. from the time that we launched the company. Not we're,
0: morbidly. Well we, no, were, going we, were, 25, mid, yeah. we were going like, into your going into your thirties is not dying. No, but well,
1: we were twenty-five <laughs> and we were
2: like <laughs> 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 We were twenty-five years old and people would tell maybe us. Maybe when
0: you're twenty-five it seems like You're my.
2: going to get older. And we were like, Yeah, we obviously know. And they were like well, what are you going to do with the company? And we did not launch Carly and Danielle Tell You the News. Uh, it's not <laughs> Carly and Danielle Inc. Uh, and it's also not 25 Inc. Right. So right. I think to the audience question, um, the way that we really think through that, and we did, we spent a lot of time thinking through it. And I think to me, this millennial demographic only gets more interesting because of the position. Do you go along
0: with them or do you now, or do you become a Gen Z?
2: No. So we have products for that fit very well into the lifestyle of a 20 year old and a 30 year old. Right. So I think the email is that I think uh, the calendar integration, I think our social is really well positioned for those life stages from a product and subscription building perspective. We are really think through what is the female millennial going to encounter in the next steps of her life because this is an audience that is better educated than their parents but making 20% less in the life, same life stage they might not have social security they might not need to buy a car and those are all those are all places where you need a trusted source of information and our company is very well positioned to grow uh, and think through those decisions along with our
0: audience, mm-hmm. I guess what I wonder is, will it be as relevant to someone who started with the skin when they were twenty four when they're thirty four
1: We believe yes, because I think first of all, you know the comparison that, that you, you made a few minutes ago you said it's, it's more than the daily candy of news like news and information are not a trend they're not they're not a fad yeah. they're not going out of style there's always there's always information every single day that, that you need. So the very foundation of our company, um, w- there's a relevancy to it. I think also then there's the authenticity factor, which is it wouldn't be authentic for us to say, like we know how to talk to a 16-year-old. I haven't been a 16-year-old in many years. Um, yes, we could absolutely create products. And maybe we will fo- target more towards Gen Z. But our brand promise, our brand focus is on a very specific generation and how we can help them live a smarter life
0: so the final thing is on that like how do you end up staying focused because i think a lot of yeah. people um it's really hard. sort of like have the flight to focus yeah. in some ways and and there's more attention paid on that because mostly just out of negative examples a lot of yeah. people that went too broad um have become cautionary tales
2: well i think it was part of um you know i could sit here and say well we- we were always so focused and but i think the truth is that we came after a lot of those examples so mm-hmm. we got to watch the market and we got to see a lot of companies that raised a ton of money evaluations that when we were starting the company reading the headlines we were amazed by right. and i think growing in that way we've seen um we've seen it not be a scalable yes. solution for a and lot of companies there also a,
1: there's a necessity behind how we started which was we had no money like we were i mean really like we were in deep credit card debt it does and we had we were like what do we have to do to 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 get to the next level we knew like there were certain metrics that we needed to hit in terms of how many daily skim users we had so we were like we will do everything we have to do to get that number we couldn't possibly take on anything else and that strategy it worked for us um, out of necessity but it became sort of the foundation of how we were like this is how we will problem solve and grow and scale our company we now have more than one product focus more than one like daily priority of course like we're at a different stage and we've we've built a big business and building a bigger one um but i would say our focus on what this is becoming and what our brand is about and what our filter is is laser focused and has been from day one
0: okay thank you very much carly thank
1: you for very much you You survived two people
0: (laughs) (laughs) might do this more often (laughs) And thank you all for listening. If you liked our show, and I, I really do hope you did, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. These reviews help people discover our podcast and we want more people to discover it. And also a reminder about Digiday Plus. I've mentioned it before. Hopefully you know what it is, but it's our membership product where you get uh, our, ma- our quarterly magazine invites to member events, access to our Slack community, and exclusive research. Our next event is with USA Today on March 1st at their headquarters in Midtown Manhattan. Uh, To find out more, visit Digiday.com and you'll see the Digiday Plus tab in the menu bar. Digiday Plus is a mere $33 a month. But if you want a 25% discount, enter the code podcast at checkout. Thanks again. Talk to you next week.